0: As we now turn to the very beginning of the book of Acts. And so we're going to read from Acts chapter 1, uh, and then Judy is going to come and speak to us uh, from this. So the words will come up on the screen. Let's read verses 1 to 12 of Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John, baptised with water, But in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father's set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. Father, thank you that you do not leave us on our own. And so we thank you that your spirit is here and we pray now that your spirit would be our teacher. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And as Judy speaks, Lord, would we hear the very words of God so that we might be people who bring hope as we experience your hope. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Good morning, everyone. There are 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension in the Bible, 40 days where Jesus is resurrected and present with his disciples, eating with them, drinking with them, and even at the start of this passage, we hear that he's gathered them together around food again and he's ready to tell them about uh, what really their commission is going to be. And I don't know about you, if you, if you are a believer this morning, if you know something of, uh, of this bit of the Bible, but there is a real empathy in me for the disciples in that they keep throughout the, the Gospels and through the Book of Acts, they keep sort of thinking, is this it? You know, Jesus is there, and they're kind of like bated breath. Is this it? They say, God, is is this the moment when you're going to restore Israel? Is this going to be the time? And they have a journey, as we know, in the Gospel of Luke, as we've seen, they have a journey where they keep thinking, is this the end? Is this the end? When they see Jesus on the cross, they think, is this the end? When they see him resurrected, they find it really hard to believe. Thomas actually asked for proof, physical proof. And then here they are again, sort of getting it right and wrong in equal measure. You know, thinking, is this the moment? Is this the time? Augustine says, for he departed and behold, he is here. And there's a bit of that in this passage that actually the disciples suddenly have Jesus taken from them, literally, and are there standing, looking in the sky, thinking, has he gone again? And is that a bit like us sometimes? Sometimes we have these times with God when it's so close and maybe if we're believers we feel a tangibly sense of his presence. But there can be times, maybe like the muse this morning, where we just feel, have you left us, God? so great to have those reminders this morning through the words and the prayers that he hasn't left us. But actually Jesus says that he is going to give them a gift that will impart all of what he's been teaching them through the Gospel of Luke, all that he's been living out amongst them and it's going to be magnified as he ascends and they are going to have power to live that out. And they're going to do even greater things than John the Baptist who would have been a bit of a hero of theirs at the time. (laughs) So that was good news for them. And I, my story, some of you know a bit of my story, but I empathise with the disciples hugely because for the first sort of few years of my teenage life, I kept trying to become a Christian. Right, So you might be thinking that's a bit dodgy theology, but bear with me. So I kept trying. So there'd be something, and one of my lovely friends or family would invite me along, no doubt praying that something would resonate with me and help me. And I used to go along. I remember going to a Louis Palau conference. I remember my sister taking me along, and I remember him saying, we need this Jesus in our lives. The world needs Jesus. And I was there at the front wanting to be prayed for. I was prayed for, and I thought, I'm going to be different. I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to change, I'm going to change and I didn't change I would go back and I felt exactly the same and I would do that, I did that at another youth rally and at something else, at a camp and after a few attempts I made a decision at the age of 13 or 14 that it didn't stick with me that actually that person who willingly went to the front whatever worked for all these other people it just didn't work for me And I thought, I kind of believe it's true, but something doesn't work for me. And I carried on, and actually, I turned my back on church and on faith for all those, the rest of my teenage years. Because I just thought it didn't work for me. And then one, uh, one time when I had a bit of free time on my hands in the summer, my sister said urgently they need a, an actor to go and perform in a soap opera, and they need a Surrey woman, a Surrey girl to play Margot Frimlington Trussett." Uh, so a big stretch there on the acting front for me um, to to go and play that woman and she just wondered would I do it last minute I was free would I do it now she's a crafty woman my sister she'd been praying for me for years um, but she got me involved and I went along and I thought well you know I wanted these people and many of them were Christians in fact every single one of them that was in the cast with me doing this soap opera were Christians and I remember laughing with my boyfriend at the time saying i'm gonna really have some great stories when I come back about how silly these Christians are it's going to be so funny I know they'll be socially awkward I know it'll be all of this and uh, I know you're not liking me very much I probably wasn't very nice but that was my view I thought this is going to be funny and actually working and rehearsing with them for two or three days I thought, this group of people believe in this Jesus. They live for him. They are bold for him. They are fearless for him. And there's nothing remotely that I can pity or mock. There's everything that I would crave what they had. I thought they were incredible in every way. The boys were really fit as well. (laughs) And I think sometimes you think, you know, that they're not going to be, and they really were, which is the way that many of us came into the church. But I remember saying, booking my ticket, booking my train ticket uh, to go and saying, I'm going to leave because something of this message that you're sharing, I don't sign up for. I can't even be in this soap opera. It's not right. I need to go. I bought my ticket, paid my money, and I was going to go. And they were very gentle with me. I think I'd probably, I think they probably were quite relieved I was going. I don't know. But anyway, they said, can, before you get your train, can we pray for you, Judy? And I said, oh, yeah, that would be lovely, very polite. you know. Yes, please do, do pray for me. And I uh, said, that would be lovely. They laid hands on me and prayed for me. And one of them started singing, which was a bit random at the time. My chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth and followed thee. And as they sung it, it the only thing I can really describe it, was, it was just like a physical freedom. You know that actually, the chains that had somehow wrapped around me, the cynicism, the fact that I wasn't good enough, the fact that I would never make the, the godly grade, just fell off me in such a way that I not only received the Holy Spirit and I didn't know what that was about, I just knew that I was forever changed. In that day that actually I then had a boldness. I then knew that actually it wasn't about me trying harder. It was about his spirit working in me. This passage tells us that we will be his witnesses. If we have the Holy Spirit and we do, that's the good news of Pentecost, we have him, we will testify, we will witness, our lives will be a witness. And it changed everything for me on that Cromer Beach. And we went on to do that soap opera day in, day out, and we had a heckler who would come and stand by the beach huts at the back and shout absolute obscenities and abuse to us and take the mickey out of us, something rotten. And uh, he would be there. And uh, our leader, who's a lovely guy, took us to one side before our final thing, at the end of our show, and said, we are going to go out there and we are going to sing to that guy at the back of the beach. We are going to sing Our God Reigns. Now, I'd never heard of it, didn't know the d- words or the tune or whatever, but I do remember that's what we did and they said we're just going to sing it a little bit like earlier on when someone said I think Tim said we're actually going to declare this defiantly to the darkness to bring your light and that's what we did or that's what they did with me standing at the back thinking this is embarrassing but they sang that to him and he was silenced all of his heckling all of his abuse stopped and at the end he came up to us and he said something happened to him like waking up like waking up and he prayed with us he had been an arsonist he'd been caught setting fire to beach huts down in Sheringham, just further down he'd been in trouble with the police and he gave his life to jesus he went on to work for london city mission did incredible incredible work his name was tony he did incredible work with them So not only had my chains fallen off, but a few days later, it's contagious, and actually the Spirit was setting people free. And in this passage, the disciples are standing, staring halfway through it, looking into the sky, thinking, has he gone again? (laughs) You know, they're on this trajectory, has he gone again? And two angels appear, and this is just full of incredible things so much evidence for them where they're doubting, so much to convince them and says he's gone but he will be back again. (laughs) He will be back and and why are you standing staring in the sky? A little bit like why do you seek the living among the dead? And there's a wake-up call in the story of the ascension that burns deep within me and I believe is a word for us at Riverside here in season today because Jesus says, I am going to give you my Holy Spirit in 10 days' time. That was 10 days after the ascension, the Pentecost comes. And I'm going to give you my Spirit and you will be my witnesses. Wait in Jerusalem. In other words, wait for those hunches of the Spirit. Wait for the work of my Spirit. Rely on him and you can do this. You will do better. You will do more than even John the Baptist. You will receive power to witness. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and everything will change, as it did for me and as it can for us. That actually it's not about try harder, it's about letting his Holy Spirit help us witness, help us heal, help us encourage at a time of great darkness in our land, as Bernice prayed, that we would actually be his light. Because in the Gospel of Luke, Christ is there in His body. In the book of Acts, we become His body. Yeah, so we're it. This is it. Look around you. Pretty splendid, actually. But look at us. We're it. We're the choice. We're the church. Yesterday, we we're in the cathedral. Uh, the Thy Kingdom Come event. Uh, brilliant. Uh, Steve and his team. Absolutely brilliant event. And actually, as we were singing in the cathedral, two girls walked in at the back and just stood with us at the back, looking around as we were proclaiming this truth, drawn in, and a woman invited them in, spoke with them, talked to them about this Jesus. That actually, as the kingdom spreads, even as we were just singing about Jesus with the doors open right in the center of Birmingham late into the night, and girls are drawn in, like that heckler who suddenly his life changed. And I wonder as we stand looking at the sky today, what the horizon looks like. It may be that we think the horizon looks very dark indeed. Certainly in, in world terms it does. Why do we stand looking at the sky? But actually Jesus is the hope of the world and the ascended Jesus is the king of the world. He has a reign. If you like, everything that he had when he was here on earth is magnified as the ascended Jesus. Everything is magnified. The disciples thought they'd lost his teaching. The disciples must have thought they'd lost his authority when actually as the angels come, they say it's going to be bigger. It's going to be even more. There's going to be even more of it. One of the things that was shared in the cathedral last night and has been mentioned in the news many times recently is the drug that is like a form of cocaine which creates spice zombies where around our city and in our world, kids are taking drugs that literally zombify them. So they're walking around in a stupefied state. But also shared last night was the story of giving out roses and chocolates around the cathedral to show God's love, to spread his hope, to spread his kindness in a world that is increasingly dark. And the people said that actually everyone accepted that apart from the business world. (laughs) So more zombies, actually. Because they just said, oh, we haven't got time for that. Let's walk on through And actually work can zombify us, it can take over us, it can engulf us, money can take us into that world where even someone giving a flower or a piece of chocolate or a a gift, you haven't got time for it. You haven't got time, you're blocking out the light, the love, and yet the commission of us as church is all about being open to those moments and setting the zombies, if you like, free. Don't quote me on that. But actually, there is something. If you think of me and the chains fell off, my heart was free. I was walking around a bit like Andy with his cardboard box on last week until this revelation of Jesus happened for me. Garrison Keeler, a great writer and a humorist satirist says this if your heart doesn't break at least once a day for something in the world you may have lost your missional imagination uh, missional I put in brackets because I slipped that in there he didn't say that sorry I just thought actually for us that's true and actually when we turn on the news at the moment it's easy our heart breaks all the time But I think there's a call on that, a wake-up call for us as church to pray like we've never prayed before. And I really do feel this. I was feeling it intensely this last night and this morning that actually we as a church here at Riverside need to wake up because actually as the darkness increases, so the light has to increase, and that's not gonna happen by more effort, more busyness, so relax, but it is gonna happen by more prayer, more reliance on him, more saying we can't do this without you. We can't do it without you. We're powerless without this spirit in us to do so much more, to witness, to proclaim it. The disciples kept getting it wrong. We looked a few weeks ago at how Peter denied Jesus, how Judas betrayed Jesus, because they kept thinking, is it real? Is he real? Is he really who he says he is? We're not sure. You know, forwards, backwards, is this it? But actually, the minute the ascension has happened, the disciples know it. They have this angelic revelation and then we hear they went back to to Jerusalem praising God and from then on they are prepared to face death for him this is not made up (laughs) why would they do that why would they go from faltering fishermen who deny him at the you know conversation when it gets a bit leery to actually saying I will die for him Something happened with the resurrection and the ascension, and then at Pentecost, that got these guys so excited they were dynamized by it. And that's God's prayer, I believe, for us as church that we can't help but speak, that we can't help but love in a world where there's so much hatred, so much devious plotting going on in our nation, that actually we need to rise up in prayer, in goodness, and excel in those things of kindness of the kingdom. Stephen, when he's facing his death, and we'll come onto that maybe in a few weeks' time in Acts 7, but he says, as he is being killed for following Jesus, he says, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man, and he's standing at the right hand of the Father. That's what helps him to die. And the Ascension helps you and I to live and die for Jesus. It helps us to say, actually, it's not my message anymore. My life is his message. On that Cromer Beach when I was 19, my life became his message. It's not always been a good one. Sometimes I've got things wrong, but it is his message nevertheless. It's his. Uh, I'm part of a new group, uh, the TED Talks. We've called ourselves the Teddy Girls. And... um, that's not uh, much reaction because you will probably get a bit young for that but uh, um, it's TED Talks we go we sit around a table and we've watched the talks before we have breakfast together and uh, just talks from different people and we chat about it I'm the only Christian bar one and there are are lots and lots of women that were all around the table yesterday morning talking about these talks and I would just say it's a brilliant way to start a community group I mean I sat there and I just thought this is a community group this is how it should be and we're just talking about these TED Talks talks and it's a fantastic opportunity to just say what we've seen and uh, one of the guys who'd given one of the lectures was a guy called Randy Porsche that really is his name and um, (laughs) he had uh, talked about the fact that he was dying he was facing his death and yet he gave a lecture and at the end he said the twist for this is this lecture isn't for you it's for my kids he wanted to leave a legacy but he does this lecture in front of all of these people and he quotes Gandhi in saying what will the message of your life be and as for us if we're believers in Jesus today our message needs to ring out for love ring out for compassion ring out for his gospel while we still can because he is coming back that's what the passage says And he says, some people come to me, he works in Disney, and he does lots of things with Pixar, amazing guy. But he says, some people come to me, this really landed on me yesterday. So some people come to me and they say, I've got 15 years of experience. And he looks at what they've been doing, and he says, no, you haven't. You've got one year, and you've been doing it 15 times. That really landed with me. Because actually, as Christians, if we are Christians, or even if we're not actually, we don't want that, do we? We don't want to say, well, every year I'm doing exactly the same thing. I'm just showing up, turning up, getting by. If our lives are Jesus' message, then actually we want it to get louder in a world that actually desperately needs it to get louder so that people can hear the love of our life that people can see that we live for him and not for self, that we're not like the businessman zombies or the drugstore zombies. And as we're worshipping, I don't know if this is me being a lovey and gushy or whatever it probably is, but I just wanted to say how proud of our young people I am. I think we have extraordinary young people in this church who are not zombies. You're not, all right? And actually are awake to the spirit of God. And God has put his hope in you He's put his hope in you for the nations, for the generations to come. He's putting his hope in you and he's putting his hope in us. And we are really proud of you. Can we just applaud them? Because I'm <laughs> so. <speaking. laughs> um, Martin Robinson says, it is not the people of God who have a mission in the world, but the God of mission who has a people in the world. We've probably heard it before in one form or another, but it is a reminder, it's a great reminder, that actually this is it. We are his plan A, we are it. And he's done that for every single one of us who's a believer here today, because he has a unique mark for each of us to make. Uh, there's a, a quite a controversial book called Jesus Shock uh, written by Peter Kreeft and I love this. You might not like it, but I do. Uh, so this is what he says. Nothing is more formidable and unconquerable than the church militant. So Maybe that's because I am a bit militant, but I love that. Nothing is more sleepy and sheepish than the church mumbling. He put the world into a daze. We are putting it into a doze. Now hear me, but I did think a little bit of Riverside there. Forgive me if that's wrong. I'm going away for three months ahead. So but actually, um, I think there's something that God just wants to say. Come on, Riverside. You have got so much. Wake up wake up, you know, because actually we don't want to put the world to sleep. There's enough of that going on. Uh, We want to actually rise up and be accountable for the Jesus that we love and follow. And there's something about mumbling in that that we've always got to be a bit careful about. You know, if church is just about turning up on a Sunday and critiquing it, there's plenty here. Go for it. (laughs) There will be. But actually, if it's about being part of a life-changing, history-making movement here in Birmingham that God has commissioned by his spirit, how exciting is that? Let's show up. Let's be together. Let's be united. Let's start new community groups. Maybe start a TED Talks group in your area if that's something that would work for you and your friends. Maybe start a running group, a walking group, just bringing friends together. Some of you are doing it brilliantly, I know already but just so that your friends, your neighbours, our friends and neighbours, our families can hear this good news, that actually we no longer walk around sleeping, but like my friend on Cromer Beach, something woke him up. And it was the truth of Jesus. It was the truth of Jesus that woke him up. I'm out of time, just love to pray for us. I wonder if you could stand actually uh, as, as we close. I'm going to read some words from Gerard Kelly as a blessing for us but it's more of a blessing actually it's a blessing with a bit of a commission as well may each memory you make point to his presence a mystery figure found in every frame of your life may each joy you share be a sharing of his pleasure Each name you speak, an echo of his name. May worship be the well whose waters heal you, a thread sewn through the fabric of every day. May his whispered voice join yours in conversation, his casting vote unite you as you pray. Lord, may we be those who pursue the path that you've set before us. May we each be a person that points people to your presence. And Lord, I love that image of you being found in every frame, almost like the Alfred Hitchcock that put himself in every film, that, that you would be in the frame of the pictures of our lives, that you would be visible. Lord, help us as a body by your spirit to make you visible to live out your truth and your saving grace, that this world will be set free heart by heart, person by person, that we encounter or that we never even get to see, but we share a word with or we share food with them. Lord, would you break the chains that bind our nation and would you set the people free? And thank you for choosing us to be a part of your dynamic resurrected Pentecostal kingdom that you release into the world. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.